I don't know how many people remember uh, Bishop Carl Mengling. Do you all remember? And you remember how sometimes he would start a homily and he would say, I hope you all brought your lunch. Do you remember that? Remember that? And, and, and it meant he was going to go a bit. You know, uh, I, I hope you brought a lunch. Um, <laughs> I do love uh, that these are the readings the church chose for the day uh, because whenever uh, we look at that list of disciples, uh, it's, it's objectively Jesus did a bad job. Yeah. Uh, there were educated, brilliant, very holy people, and he didn't pick any of them uh, for his disciples. Um, I think I told you about C.S. Lewis, who considered himself a great atheist philosopher. His conversion started when someone challenged him, read the gospel, and he did, and he realized, who makes this up? Right? Who writes this story and says, you know, God picked me, and I lived with him for three years, and every time I opened my mouth, I said something stupid. Yeah? Did you notice that? Every time, this list of disciples, the only real descriptor is the last one, Judas, uh, the one who betrayed him. These are not who we would have picked. Um, and I'm not who I would have picked. Uh, particularly the more I got to understand in seminary what priesthood was, I just assumed God was trying to get me out of the gene pool. You know what I mean? Uh, it's the only thing I could come up with. Um, God's condition for calling people seems to be those of us who know we don't have it together. And that would, I hope, be every one of us here. That none of us can offer God something he doesn't have except need. God has no need. You and I are defined by need. And as long as we understand that, we're going to grab hold of him and never let go. And that's what he needs. He doesn't need people who know theology perfectly. The devil knows theology perfectly. He doesn't need people who run around telling everyone, you're doing it wrong. Because we all know we're doing it wrong. He needs people saying, well, he did it right. Just grab him. Hold on. I love that the gospel starts with Jesus looking at all these people following him. And he sees, quote, he sees their hearts. Yeah? There's two words in Greek for looking at. Whenever you see some Jesus looking at someone in the gospels, there's two ways they write it. One is the Greek word for looking along. And that means you look and you see the physical, right? Uh, you look and you see what's visible to your human eyes. But there's another word for seeing, like when, remember when Jesus was on the cross and he, it said he looked at the thief next to him? Said he looked at him and said, you're not far from heaven. And that's the time it said Jesus looked inside of him. Yeah? In this one, Jesus looked inside of the crowd and he saw they were troubled, they were abandoned, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. You've heard me gripe about sheep. You know, you, you can't work with sheep and not walk away and say they taste good, and that's about it, yes? Uh, sheep are a level of dumb 
It's just hard to describe. Uh, rocks are smarter than sheep, and they have no natural defenses. None. They don't have very sharp teeth, you know. Uh, they don't, they can't run very fast. The only thing a sheep has going for it, for protection, is a shepherd. That's it. That's it. They can't fight. They don't really know to run. Um, and that's uh, us in the spirit world. We're lost. We're powerless. We can't fight evil by ourselves. But again, we can cling to the shepherd. And what I hope you know is when the shepherd looks at you and sees need, he sees that you're troubled, that you feel abandoned sometimes. He sees the morning, the clock, the alarm goes off, and you know, you know, get up, go work your tail off to pay for the stuff we got that we don't need, and then go to bed after we zone out, and you know, wash, rinse, repeat. Uh, he sees that, and it's crazy, but he loves it because he doesn't have need, you, you do. And he sees the time where you suffer because you're doing what's right. And the people at work, you know, who are doing it wrong, they seem to be doing well, right? The snakes really do well, don't they? Uh, he sees all of that. And I could go on and on, and of course there's always danger of that, you know. It's a MDiv. But um, here's the key. He just loves you. It's really that simple and awful and scary and beautiful. Love itself is desperately in love with you and wants you to cling, to grab hold and refuse to let go. You have three enemies. Yeah, scripture identifies three enemies we have. Uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Right? There's also the New York Yankees, but the, that's prophesied more than actually spoken. But the world, the flesh, and the devil. And when we say the world, we're not talking about the planet. The planet's beautiful. God made it, and he made it good. By world, they're referring to the philosophical word for all of those ideas that are hammered at us that have nothing to do with God. All those ideas that are hammered into us and pushed on us and sold to us that want to reduce you or someone else to less. Yeah, when we say the flesh, we're referring to that spoiled little snot that lives inside of each of us, yeah? That manipulative little thing inside of each of us that just wants what it wants. And then when we talk about the devil, we're talking about the most powerful created thing a malevolent evil force that personally and collectively hates you. And those are our enemies, and they're nasty. And what they want you and me to do is to be less, to be defined by, oh, anything except love, real love. For us, then, we can't fight those three. We would lose. But what we can do is cling to the shepherd who in his love tells us you're not what you produce. You're not your sin. You're not your past. You're not your bad decisions. You are the focus of my love. 
There is a, a fire inside of each of us that we ignore way too often. And, and it's a fire to be a saint, to live for the reason we actually were created. Not to uh, just get through the day or fight like crazy to preserve what we have, but instead to just shine with the knowledge that whatever I get right or wrong, God's in love with me. Love itself is in love with me. And when we do this, it will do a couple things. It will soothe the thing inside of us that feels so ugly and unlovable and chaotic and crazy. It will not only do that, but it will open our eyes to the pain all around us of smiling people whose lives are empty. And in those moments, what our commitment needs to be is to show people this is what it is to be loved. This is what it is to be loved. I'll show you, not by acting like I'm somehow superior to you, but by pointing out that I'm a rack and God loves me. I'm a mess and he uses me. And I don't know how he does it and I don't really care. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. That will do us so much more good than telling people you're doing it wrong. I think for most of us, it gets lost in all the chaos, the very basic truth. And I'm begging us to hold on to it, to grab it and hold on to it. And any theologian or priest or any spiritual leader who wants to tell you different, they're wrong. The simple truth is this, love is in love with you and all he wants is you to grab him and not let go. He will never fail you. He will never reduce you to how well you perform. He'll never reduce you to an object of gratification. He'll never reduce you to your race or your gender or any of that. When he looks at you, he's in love. You can't change his mind about it. So today, I thank Jesus he lets me do this, yeah? And again, I know he wanted me out of the gene pool, but there's some other benefits, yeah? <laughs> and I thank the Lord. Uh, when we were looking at the pictures of my ordination, I was like, my God, I'm the only one left, yeah? And I saw all these beautiful priests who I just worshiped who are in heaven. I think of uh, Monsignor Bill Easton, uh, who's my, my stinking hero, yeah? And that man walked out of mass and fell over dead. And I talked to him so many times, that's what he's gunning for, yeah? That was, he always said, the second I receive Eucharist, that's when I hope it happens. God gave him 10, 15 minutes after, I don't know, some kind of overtime, but... And when he died, I remember thinking, what am I going to do? I don't know who to call for help. And I remember my brother Paul said, no, now you're the guy that someone else is going to call for help. And I thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord for Bishop Morlino. If, if you like how I pray Mass, that's his fault. Uh, uh, I watched him. That's not what they taught us at seminary. They didn't really, you know, they just said, what's, what is it, do the red and say the black. That's what they tell you over and over, yeah. Uh, but I watched him pray mass like he actually meant it. And I didn't know what to do, it was so beautiful. And I thought, I'm gonna do that. So I thank the Lord for him, he's with the Lord. 
uh, as well. Again, I think I kill priests. I don't mean to. Um, I thank the Lord for Father Jake Folio. I don't know if any of you knew him. We agreed on three things theologically. I always told him, Jake, you're two inches from heresy uh, all the time. And he told me I was two inches from fascism. So I feel like we really... uh, I'm a rule guy. He was not a rule guy. I remember sometimes he'd be like, Jake, it says here you're not supposed to do that. And he would go, oh, I know. And then he'd do it. Uh, But... If I called him at 2 a.m., he picked up the phone. If I was three states away and said, Jakey, I need help, he'd come help. You needed prayers, he put his hands on you and he prayed. And I saw miracles, literal miracles, wrought at his hands. I saw him sit two hours every day in front of the Blessed Sacrament and pray. And he's with the Lord. So I got a million of them, but I'll stop now because... I see you guys reading the bulletin. It's awkward. Uh, But uh, just thank you for letting me love you. Thank you for letting me be not perfect and a bit of a mess. Uh, Thank you for not asking me to be what I can't pull off yet. Um, And thank you for letting me hold Jesus in my hands and give him to you. Uh, I ask that the Lord give me as long as he wants me to have and then as quick as possible get me home. And until that day, may we all just grab him and refuse to let go. Amen? Amen. Okay. I paid somebody to start that clap. I am. So glad it worked.